Speaking to forensic investigators, they're really interesting, the guys that will tell a tale. Uh, and they say that most of the fraud that happens in companies and in the public sector happens in the procurement division. And that makes sense because you've got a huge amount of money. You've got the ability to change bank details. You've got the ability to choose your suppliers. So the opportunity for kickbacks is enormous because you can go to three different suppliers and saying, okay, you all make uh, clicky, clicky pens like this one. Um, I need 10,000 pens. You'll give them to me at what price and what do I get on the site? There's a lot of that stuff that happens. Um, and often it comes from inflating invoices, simply buying stuff on the company account, which you have delivered to another address. I've got a friend who at one time in the distant past had a restaurant in London and suddenly noticed that he was buying an awful lot of really expensive wine. And there was a disconnect between what he was paying for the wine um, to the wine stocks in the cellar and the amount of wine that was being sold. I mean, he was basically running it like like a bottle store, um, and he couldn't understand. So he started doing some digging and some investigating, and he discovered that the guy in charge of his wine procurement was having cases of expensive French wine delivered to his house and was having great parties at my friend's expense. And luckily, he nipped that in the bud fairly early on. Oh, I think... Don't you want to get into procurement? Procurement sounds like the coolest kind of place to be in any organization. Debbie Tagg is the Chief Operations Officer at Smart Procurement. I mean, procurement covers, I think, lots of bases, doesn't it? I mean, it's not only products and physical things, but it's also services and accounting. All these sorts of things have got to be bought by organizations. Yeah, it's anything the organization needs. It can be direct procurement or indirect and uh, the spend, well, you think about this, the just the budget under government and what kind of spend sits within public sector, and it's substantially more in private sector. It's a, it's a big role. It's a very strategic part in an organization, and it's no longer just about, as a procurement professional, just about saving. It's There's a lot more that goes on in being a procurement professional in organizations. I mean, because, I mean, I suppose historically the job is we need 10,000 clicky pens. Go out and get me 10,000 clicky pens. Uh, that's part of the job, and you've got to make sure that you get the clicky pens at an appropriate price. Um, but nowadays, there's an additional pressure because companies have got all kinds of targets that they need to reach as to where they get their clicky pens from. Exactly. I mean, so at a very rudimentary level, you talk about buying and a three-quote rule, but there's strategic sourcing, and, and that is taking on a category and, and having a long-term view. So what kind of impact... Is this going to have in a market? Um, can we sustain buying this within a particular region? So there's there's a lot more strategy that goes into buying, but with the BE codes, um, and hopefully if not taking it on as a, a tick, box, tick box exercise, if you also take into consideration local content and bringing in local businesses into your supply chain who also then become your customers, it becomes a lot more interesting and, and also can have a lot more impact and not just on a business's bottom line. I mean, when it, uh, my guess is that procurement used to be fairly dull. I mean, it's a case, get the pens. Okay, I'm going to get the pens. Three quotes, three quotes. One's 99 cents, one's 98 cents, one's 90 cents. We'll get the 90 cents ones. Off we go and we go get the 90 cents pens and we carry on with our day. Well, yes, and... Um, the thing is that we have a lot of legislation, things are changing in procurement. Uh, traditionally, or what happened in the past is uh, it was a very administrative role. And you found a lot of individuals landing up in procurement as opposed to choosing it as a profession. But in the last 10, 15 years, if you see the developments around building competency, um, there's obviously programs within government, but in private sector as well, you know, really making sure there's a qualification. So 
and and building it up as a profession. It's still getting there. We're not at a you know a CA level um, or recognition. But, but, you, but you are looking to professionalize in the same way as Absolutely. you would expect uh, project managers to have a yeah. qualification. So or there is a qualification. State, a, state mm. agents to be qualified uh, to be a procurement officer. You can't just be some mucha with a calculator going, oh, I think I can do this. No, because you've got such a responsibility. So there is a qualification uh, called MSIPS. Uh, it's MSIPS. An MSIPS. So you... That's part of the Chartered Institute of Procurement Supply. They're the professional body in Southern Africa or South Africa. What is interesting, though, is you've got, uh, for instance, in Zambia, their organization called ZIPS. They've actually legislated that you cannot be a procurement professional unless you have your designation. Uh, it would be very, very interesting to see if we could get to that level in South Africa. There is a supply chain council that's uh, been formed by National Treasury. And the the idea is to make it constitutional. And I think once you put legislation behind it or you, you make it constitutional, I think you can start to change behavior and develop competency. But why is there this desire for, for, for professionalization, though, of an admin function? Uh, what function? What, an admin function. An admin? This is why we should stream the money show. She gave me a look that basically said you were rude to my mother. But it, because essentially it's, it's perceived to be you an just admin insulted 20,000 people and plus in and South Africa. Done, done, <laughs> done deliberately because I want you to bat for the procurement professionals. But your response was classic. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the look off. It looks good. No, I will bat for them. You know, I think. There's some very good people in many organizations uh, trying to make a difference. In, in fact, we've gotten involved and launched something called the Enterprise Supplier Development Practitioner Awards. And that in itself is recognizing game changers. It's, it's fun names like the hero and the guiding guru. And that's people within organizations, procurement people who, as you said, admin function, but we will move past that for now. <laughs> And it's it's recognizing individuals like that that are making a socioeconomic impact. So what is the difference then between the administrator, um, the order taker, the order giver, and the procurement professional? What makes somebody exceptional at this task? Well, it's ones that approach it in an innovative, strategic manner. And so, yes, there is definitely a competency gap in in many that have just come into procurement but there are amazing individuals uh, chief procurement officers and and how they develop their teams i could think of i'm not going to use all names in the public platform but that are doing fantastic things well, to developing I mean, their team i mean it would be great if you could give some examples of people who are um, the outliers in in the space i mean it's be useful to do case studies of companies that are doing this better than others well i look at uh, i'm going to use absent and they actually um are anchor partner in the annual professional event that we run uh, which is the smart procurement world two weeks time but they are developing and bringing let's just at the event about 30 or 40 of their team but depending on the different levels they've gone through various types of qualification training um, I don't want to quote an, or, or mislead but one of the things that I see them doing is, is bringing from their junior buyers and interns to their very senior team and bringing them to something like Smart Procurement which is a world class event 
attending international programs, but also driving them whilst they're there to look at potential new black-owned suppliers because there's a marketplace that happens there, the the ABSA Enterprise Supply Development Expo, and getting them to engage potential suppliers and, and overcome some of the barriers and help overcome the barriers of small business doing business with And it goes to the point of your strategic uh, discussion because there is a strategic imperative on large corporates to help build small businesses. And there's no better way of building small businesses than allowing them to supply to you. And when they supply to you, to pay them on time Um, (laughs) and and, and to allow them to to keep on doing it. And where there are obstacles and where there are hiccups, because there will be, especially with startups, um, to ensure that these guys get a little bit of support and get a bit of assistance and not simply writing off people at the first hurdle. And it's it's not easy for a procurement professional. They have many stakeholders they've got to to deal with. You know, at a board level, uh, whether it's the CFO who wants just cost savings. You know, they're they're not looking at uh, sometimes on the value side. They've got the business unit head that is their customer that wants the clicky pen and wants it yesterday and preferably with the supply that they've used for twenty five years. And and now you have a procurement person who is trying to deliver on all those elements, but also bring the socioeconomic responsibility. And to be honest, what we see, and thank goodness, I think it's changing a bit now, but. The transformation agenda at the last second comes to procurement and say, right, we've got our scorecard. How are we going to reach the preferential procurement and enterprise supplier development and do it now? And they expect a miracle at, you know, from a exec level. With exec levels now seeing that they need to take a long-term view and be more strategic, I think it is changing. Because, you, you I mean, it, it's a, a lovely idea to go the DTI says, okay, you must do your procurement from uh, black-owned companies. You know, that's great. Um, okay, who supplies clicky pens? Well, I'm sorry, Standard Bank's getting all the clicky pens from suppliers one, two, and three this <laughs> month. So where the hell do we get them from? And that's the great difficulty, of course, is going in and sourcing. And also being able to differentiate, I suppose, from the charlatans, and there will be charlatans, Correct. and finding credible suppliers and that is a very very difficult well it's interesting to do it's interesting you say that because that is why we launched this linkage platform seven years ago so in two weeks time we have 300 hosted small businesses and when i say hosted they're hosted by an absa or they're hosted by a, a bp a afrimat huge mining house who comes and brings 10 or 20 suppliers and says these are suppliers that i'm doing business with that do clicky pens they do really good work. And in all honesty, if I'm only, if I'm supplying apps, I probably don't have capacity to even look for another client. But isn't it wonderful that you get your client taking you and, and showcasing you? Because if there is an opportunity for you to grow and you've got the, the guts to do it and you've got the nous to do it, um, that you get your next customer. And it's a trade reference. And mm. so, and then it also, what we saw when we first started, our first hundred businesses being hosted by 10 corporates. And now it's, it's, it's a fantastic size, but. It means that, yes, this SME is ready, I can do business with them, and it takes that risk averseness away as well because procurement has very strict processes, and then you can understand because they're they're delivering to their internal customer, and now you're using an SME or a smaller supplier that's done some good work, and the – Look, some of these suppliers do still need some hand-holding, and they may need some funding, they may need some training, um, but there's lots of programs and – and lots of enterprise supply development programs on offer to help them. How hard was it con- to convince corporates to let go of the total um, control of their favorite supplier and say to them, if, if, for the good of your supplier, 
bring your supplier to the conference and introduce them to your competitors, introduce them to your rivals, because this isn't about you, it's about them. Them saying, well, if I introduce them to you, you might take them away from me because you might give them a better deal um, or they might start dropping balls because we've just got this wor- this relationship working really well and it's functioning fine. Um, it's almost like they're a division of my organization. So therefore, they just supply me and that's great. Mm. Now I'm going to share Ooh, and they might not cope. So I'm going to keep them to myself. Thank you very much. I think the right organizations and um, practitioners or procurement people and organizations that hasn't been an issue because they can see the long-term view. They can see that there is better impact in working together. That being said, I can remember conversations we had when we launched this seven years ago and individuals within a company that could see the vision. But let's say they, a particular very large hotel group, who we shall not name, but hotel, these hotel groups operate as properties. So each property has its own general manager. You couldn't tell them to bring their suppliers. You or, don't tell general managers what no, to do. No, no. And it, it took this individual, I would say, four to five years. And uh, in the last four years, they've been at every event we do here in Johannesburg as well as at every region. So it wasn't overnight. But you've got to start somewhere. And then they've started to, to see the impact and, and reap the rewards of that. And also for corporations, I mean, the, the advantage of scale that they've got. And they can fundamentally change not only the fate of a small business, but they can also change the way they spend money. And they can spend money more efficiently by going large across multiple assets and multiple properties. Exactly. And one of the, the gaps we definitely saw. So when we come to the event, we do some training with these small businesses. And we're by no means an incubator. Our our bread and butter is the procurement community and professionalization. But we do look at training those suppliers on how to be a better supplier. So when you get to the event, the SMEs and small business can actually attend as well on their own. We run something called Smart Supplier. And we're trying to focus on educating that, that small business around how they can be better at managing their contract and their delivery. And again, as you were saying, if they're getting support from not just one corporate and multiple corporates, they start to become a little bit more Sophisticated, they've got more staff under them, so and that they, helps the growth. And they de-risk as well, and they create a sustainable business because you can't be supplying supplier A and they go off you for whatever reason because they need to tick a different box, um, and suddenly you lose your single biggest client, and you then go under simply because you haven't diversified your your client stream. Um, how do you measure the impact of corporations on the SME sector in terms of the? positive impact, the multiplier impact that these corporations can Oh, that's a big question. I don't think anyone knows the impact. Um, I know we try and measure impact from an event side. There's quite a few... Uh, surveys out there that are trying to see whether the you know all the monies that are spent. If I can tell you just from a, a, what we see, I think there's much too much duplication of effort in certain industries. Um, can you explain that? So... There's a hesitation. Let's we can pick on the construction industry because they're not really doing too much they, at the they, moment. They don't have any money left to sue. <laughs> exactly. You, so so I, yeah, exactly. I'm safe. But if you think about construction, they wouldn't want to work together because it could be seen as collusion. Well, they got into trouble for that in 2010 with the um, World Cup. You know, and so, understandably, yeah. but you find in one area that a company A is trying to develop small businesses and think, great, we're going to have an incubation center and we're going to train and we're going to do one, two, and three. And then a similar company in the same industry, maybe in the same area says, oh, we're going to, they're not even talking to each other and they start doing the same thing. And you do sometimes find that even a small business is on multiple incubation programs. 
because they do think that they're going to then get into the supply chain or get a contract by that corporate. And that's not necessarily the case. Mm. So you're almost double spending on a small business instead of saying, what is this one small business need and, and putting, you know, pulling together the effort. But isn't that where industry bodies come in to come in, come into their own? The industry bodies then professionalize, create the, 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 the documents and the training and, and you sort of centralize that function. That's the theory. And I think there are, <laughs> there are organizations that are trying to, to do that. But the example I mentioned to you about the hotel group, I mean, I've seen organizations, they're all at, all at different stages. So trying a collaborative view doesn't always work. Um, but I definitely would like to, have, like to see, I think we would like to see, not just myself, more impact with the monies that are spent. Um, what we are seeing, though, is that companies are asking the right questions now. So there was a lot of money spent over the last few years just to tick the box. But now they're wanting impact. They're wanting to see job creation. I mean, we're going to be hosting Tashma Ismail and the Yes uh, Foundation yes. here tomorrow. Um, yes. And, uh, <laughs> that's why it's such a good name. Uh, and um, they're doing lots of interesting projects and trying to encourage projects. And so um, she likes to talk about rural Limpopo and how you, you go over these communities which are now beginning to provide the fruit and vegetables to game lodges within sort of Kruger Park and Sabi Sands area and suddenly these guys are procuring directly from the suppliers and no longer having to trek all the way to Nelspreit or whatever the case might be to get their suppliers or to Hoodspreit or whatever um, and it's it's fundamentally changing the shape of previously impoverished communities. There is actually economic activity and it's changing the lives of people in that area. There's less obligation, if you like, uh, for people to move to towns and cities. They can stay at home. They can be gainfully employed, live a, a good rural life and actually have an income. Absolutely. Now, you think about, let's take in the Rustenburg area, and you have that example. Now, it shouldn't just be one corporate or one company that's buying the fresh fruit and veg for their catering. It should be a couple of businesses, sure. and then it takes that, that risk again. Um, so there's, there's multiple platforms, and we obviously, that's what we're very passionate about, is creating that opportunity where, oh, I didn't know that Arsenal Motel and Afri Sam and trying to think in a particular area that we're all needing the same supplier. Let's rather work together. Um, so that's what we try and work on. Uh, and then we've got to talk about the seedy underbelly of the procurement uh, function because, as I mentioned in the beginning, um, it, this is a part of many businesses where the greatest level of fraud happens because yeah. there is so much money and there is so much opportunity for for latitude when it comes to the huge trust that is put in the procurement officer um, or the office of the, the, the procurement officer within an organization. There are lots of places where bank account details can be changed yeah. and all sorts of shenanigans. And they're getting very to. creative or fraud is getting very creative. And in some cases, I'm sure you have organized crime moving into large corporates yeah. and trying to infiltrate that supply chain. Yeah. Um, you know, if we think around private sector, I'll start there. The, the automation of the procurement function, and there's some fantastic um, e-procurement systems coming in and very sophisticated, does mean that it's changing the job. So the administrator is not needed anymore. And you asked me earlier about, is it not just order the three pens? Well, that's what an online system can do. So it's the, the way of the procurement professional is an innovator and someone that's strategic. And, and that's what private sector sees. And, I, you know, they've got very sophisticated risk models and 
processes to hopefully avoid that. Will it ever be foolproof? I, I don't know. I mean, we, we, see these, we see these stories coming through in the commissions of inquiry into all yeah. sorts of things where the clicky pen was being sold to a government department at 500 rand a pen or whatever the case was. And so government then brought a chief procurement officer into the National Treasury. And that led to all kinds of rows and ructions as government tried to get control of its spending because those budgets are vast and in many cases hard to control. Well, you know, we can talk around all the legislation. One of the things that that we see is we have very sophisticated legislation in public sector. In fact, we're the most over-legislated in the world. I was going to say, is there too much? Because <laughs> there's too much, and they overlap, and they contradict one another. So we know there's the procurement bill. And that creates opportunity. It does. and But it also creates frustration for the procurement practitioner who's just trying to do their job. And no matter what they do, they might break a legislation because of the overlap. So I know there's there's, there's big hype and, and holding thumbs and, and fingers around the procurement bill. I we don't know all the ins and outs of it yet, but the idea is that that will hopefully diminish a lot of the clashing of, of policy. But as sophisticated as policy is, you need competency and you you need to ensure that those who are delivering on the policy and delivering on buying within organizations also have that world-class level of competency to do so. I mean, globally, are there standards? I mean, are, are we in South Africa seeking to emulate standards from elsewhere? There is. We spoke about SIPS, who's the professional body in South Africa. That is the global standard. They're a UK-based body. From a government perspective, they are looking at something a bit more consolidated. As I said, you have the Supply Chain Council, so they've taken a few bodies. There is a reality where sometimes an international standard or a qualification like SIPS might on certain aspects not have relevancy, you know, it doesn't cover BE, for instance, yeah. and that's important in our space. So I think there is some localization that's that needs to be had so that your procurement professional in any organization can handle the BE requirements. Yeah, I mean, and South Africa is a complicated place. It is a place that we need to grow small businesses. Small businesses employ people while large corporates are cutting back. Um, we desperately need that sort of assistance. And procurement is a tool to improve performance as well within organizations. I mean, buying the right stuff at the right time, getting your supply chain sorted out, actually helps companies run better. So, you know, I've seen, I will use one project that I know about where they provide gas and it, yes, it was part of enterprise supply development, but what they did is realize, well, within your township enterprises, the local business that needs, you know, is making their fet cook or whatever on the side of, of, of the road needs to, to get gas for their cookers. And they're going off to macro and buying it. So they set up a, a market access program where these businesses actually supply they get direct from the gas producer. They then take the the gas and refill them within the the township area, and they've created a complete distribution channel, as well as jobs, and as well as providing cheaper gas to the local business. And that's done from procurement, so they mm. can do some really interesting things and, and make some good impact. That's where the creativity can come in and where you can have positive impact on helping South Africa's small business sector develop. Debbie Tag, the Chief Operations Officer at Smart Procurement, thank you for coming in. Um, lovely to see you. And I've learned a thing or two about procurement. It's not just about the sexy, juicy fraud stuff. There's actually other interesting stuff that happens too.